Amen, amen. Hey, well, good morning. Thanks for being here. If you don't know me, my name is Andrew, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Frontline. Uh, listen, if you're here and you don't know what you believe or you know that you don't at all, and you're, you're dragged here by a friend, man, we're really glad that you're with us, and no doubt or skepticism is off limits, so thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm excited about today. We're, we're in a series, as you just heard, called American Gods, and the idea behind the series is that we're not less religious today than we were 2,000 years ago, even though our world is more secular, that instead of calling these gods by the name of Zeus and Artemis and you know having the same pagan deities that people had 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago, What's actually happened in our culture is that we've traded out these gods with different names. So instead of Zeus, now we have sex or power or success. Instead of Artemis, now we have things like comfort and uh, happiness and the self, the god of self. So that's what we're doing is just kind of making the case, trying to make the, uh, give you the take on culture that we're just as religious as we've always been. And Jesus actually wants to confront us in our worship of these gods. So that's where we're headed, and we will eventually get to Matthew chapter 5, I promise. So let me kick it off like this. C.S. Lewis, uh, who I think is arguably one of the greatest thinkers of the last 100 years, uh, wrote incredible kids' books like the Chronicles of Narnia and other amazing works. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he had a really helpful metaphor for life on earth as a human being. He said that what it is to be a human being and kind of go about our lives is, is like an armada of ships moving over the ocean. An, arm, an armada of ships as it moves across the ocean. He says that's, that's really what it is like to be a human being in this world that we live in. He said there are three questions that every armada, every fleet of ships has to ask themselves. And those same three questions are actually the same three questions that we as human beings need to ask as we navigate our way through life. So here they are. The first question is, how do we keep from taking on water and sinking? So this is the question of personal ethics. This is the question of how do we actually live in such a way and pursue uh, character and, and cultivate our virtues and actually avoid uh, our vices? How do we do that in such a way so that we can navigate our way through life without sinking? How do we make it from now till the day of our death uh, without blowing our lives up and taking on water? That's the first question that we have to ask. And I would just say that as a culture, that's a question that we don't ask. That's not something that we ever consider or think about. The second question he said that this armada needs to ask is how do we keep from running into each other? How do we keep from, from running into each other? And this is the question of social ethics. How do we do relationships? How do we do singleness together in community? How do we do marriage? How do we interact with each other as human beings? And, and this question our culture asks a lot about, right? What does it look like to live in such a way that we, we don't collide into each other? And then the third question is really interesting. The third question is, what is the destination or the purpose of the armada? Why are we here? What's this all about? Where are we headed? What's the destination? Why do we exist uh, as this fleet of ships? What, what are we doing here on earth as human beings? And I used to say that that third question, our culture never asked about, our, our, our culture never considered, never thought deeply about. And actually, the more that I've thought about this, I, I don't think that that's accurate. I think that our culture has given us an answer to the question of why are we here? What do we exist? What is this all about? Where are we headed? What's the point? And here's what our American culture has given us, uh, people in the West, that you and I, we exist for happiness and for comfort. 
That's the agreed upon reason why we are here. We are here to pursue happiness. We are here to experience comfort. That's why we are here. In fact, this idea of comfort and happiness is the, the thing behind the thing for most of the reasons why you do what you do, where you go, where you go, the decisions that you make, the actions that you take, your every pursuit, the desires that you have, they're flowing out of this ultimate desire, this deep desire to experience comfort and happiness. You want a world where that is your reality. So today we're talking about the God of comfort. We're not talking about the God of all comfort that the Apostle Paul talks about. We're talking about what happens when we take comfort and we push God off of his throne and make that our ultimate idol. This is something that we in America just kind of live and breathe in, is it not? This comfort idol is just something that is all around us. It's almost hard to detect because we are, we are almost walking around from place to place instinctively expecting to experience comfort at every level. I want you to think about this. Uh, th- think about the world 150 years ago for just a minute. There, were, there wasn't a, a concept of harnessing electricity. There were no light bulbs. There were no cars. Think about like kind of the, the modern uh, things that we have with plumbing and all of these things, how different that was even 150 years ago. Think about this, that even in 1925, in 1925, only half of the homes in the U.S. had electric power, only half of the U.S. homes had electric power. Now, I want you to fast forward in your head to 2018. Now we woke up in this world today. You and I woke up inside of a culture, inside of a world that has every imaginable comfort at our fingertips. Let me just kind of go through some of these. We have cold AC in our houses and in our cars. And, and at least most of us have cold AC in our cars. And we all know the ones that don't because you won't stop talking about it, right? You're telling everybody every time you show up, I don't have AC. It's because we expect to have a car that has really cold AC blowing. It's just something that is normal in 2018. We have heated seats, which I honestly think is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given his people in the history of the world. It's amazing. I even use it when it's not that cold outside, right? We have heated pools, we have self-heating coffee mugs. We have sleep number beds. If you don't know what a sleep number bed is, then this is basically like when you don't uh, like the, the, the mattress the way that your spouse likes. L- let me rephrase it a little better. If you don't like your spouse, then you can get two different mattresses. I'm just kidding, all right? Sleep number beds are fine if you have one. Now, it gives you the option of tailor-making your side of the bed uh, different from their side of the bed, and you can have it softer or harder. And the commercial's hilarious because it's like a man and a woman laying next to each other, and the man is snoring, and the woman, who is obviously annoyed, she presses some buttons and her side of the bed elevates over his. And now she's just looking down with shame on this man that's snoring next to her, right? Comfort, sleep number beds. Amazing. We have Roombas. Any Roomba owners out there? Uh, My wife and I bought a Roomba for ourselves for Christmas. It is the best gift I've ever been given. I love it, right? I, I, I can't remember the last time I vacuumed. I press a button. I have a robot that vacuums my house. That is amazing, right? You should all go buy one today. Um, the, the internet. Can you imagine there used to be a day and age where people were kind of sitting around, shooting the breeze, talking, and someone would ask a question and everybody else would go, oh, I really don't know the answer to that question. The internet has solved that problem. We now have the answer to every question just at our fingertips, thanks to Google. 
We have iPhones and Apple Watches. We have Amazon. Amazon's amazing. You can buy anything you want on Amazon. Two-day shipping, and even that's getting old because we hear that same-day shipping is around the corner for us Oklahomans. That in a matter of, of weeks and months, we're going to be able to like, click a few buttons and in a few hours have a package delivered to our door. Life doesn't get better than that. Netflix and Hulu, you can scroll through endless amounts of shows and TV options and movies. And it's amazing. You can go through, through uh, thousands and thousands and thousands. And, and, and you'll do this at night. You'll just kind of scroll through and then eventually land on the West Wing for the fourth time because it is the best show that's ever been put on TV, right? Thank you. Um, Spotify, we no longer have to steal music illegally. Now we can just pay a few bucks and have unlimited amounts of access to all the music we want on our phones, Fast food restaurants. Did you know that Oklahoma was the, is the second in the nation for most fast food restaurants per people living in our state? Second in the nation. We love our fast food, don't we? Postmates. If you're too lazy to put on pants, you can order food from your phone. Praise be to God. It is inc- incredible, right? There's nothing like not putting on pants and having Chick-fil-A delivered to your door. This is heaven on earth. It doesn't get better than that. Uh, if you're like, well, I don't eat fast food. That's, that stuff's nasty. It's bad for you. We have farm-to-table restaurants. You can go to almost any type of cuisine, any type of uh, culinary culture in Oklahoma and get farm-to-table food prepared for you. And it's amazing. It's incredible. We have riding lawnmowers. We have leaf blowers. If, if you don't like what's in your yard, you can just blow it into the yard of your neighbors, right? I'll never understand leaf blowers. Uh, we, we have in-ground sprinkler systems, Has it become too much of a hassle to move the hose from one place to the other in your yard? I think so. In-ground sprinkler systems are here to help us out. We have tornado sirens. We have the ability to now forecast potentially dangerous weather and make plans ahead of time. We've created safe places. We have fire departments, multiple hospital options, medication for just about anything that you can think of. We have funeral homes to handle our dead so that we don't have to mess with it. We have all-inclusive resorts. We have cruises. We have vacation getaways. We have Disney. We have every imaginable comfort at our fingertips, and we love it, don't we? I don't know about you, but sometimes I just think about what life would have looked like 150 years ago, 200 years ago, and I'm like, man, thank you, God, that I was born when I was born, and I get to experience this. I love these comforts. We in America, we love our comforts. Even when we're roughing it, we still like to be comfortable, don't we? This became really kind of apparent to the staff of the Wyoming Bridger Wilderness Area when in 1996, these, these people at this wilderness area, they put out a survey asking for comments and suggestions about ways that they could improve uh, their wilderness, wilderness area. So here's just a sampling of some of the real responses that were submitted. Trails need to be reconstructed Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness area to get rid of these pests. Please pave the trails so that they can be plowed clear of snow in winter. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike them. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. 
This is one of my favorites. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can get reimbursed? (laughs) Reflectors need to be placed on the trees every 50 feet so that people can hike at night without flashlights because it's such a drag when you have to hike with a flashlight, right? Escalators would would be a good addition on steep uphill sections. A McDonald's would be a nice uh, feature at the trailhead. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. That's my favorite one. Let me, re- let me say that again. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. It's too wilderness-y. And then finally, too many rocks in the mountains. These are real responses. The, the hashtag first world problems is it's literally our way of confessing to each other in a really lighthearted, humorous way, our love and our worship of the God of comfort. Let me, let me just give you two that I found on Twitter yesterday. My fob isn't working, so I just had to use the actual car key to unlock my car like some sort of peasant. <laughs> Life is so hard. The fridge is so cold in our Airbnb that whenever I drink anything, it hurts my teeth. Your ancestors are ashamed of you, right? We just love the God of comfort. And and some of you, you're sitting here, you're thinking like, what's so bad about comfort? What is so bad? All these things that you're mentioning, aren't these great things? Yeah, they are. They're amazing things. And like I just said, like I just admitted to you, I'm really glad that I was born when I was born and not in this culture where you didn't have all these modern comforts. Because man, listen, like I love to rough it. I love being outdoors. I love to hike. I love to backpack and do all that stuff. But had I been born three or 400 years ago, it would have been Oregon Trail all over for me. Andrew has died of dysentery, all right? Like I just love the comfort that we have. I love it. This is the world that we live in. And sometimes I wake up just grinning that this is the reality that we have, right? Just loving comfort. So what's the problem? Because all of these things are actually really good things. They're not bad things. In and of themselves, they're, they're good things. So what is the problem with our comfort? Well, here's the problem. As Bob Hostetler said, the problem for us is not that we have a few comforts. The problem is that our comforts have us. See, the problem is not that we have a few things that we enjoy and a few things that we run to for happiness and pleasure and comfort. The problem is that actually what's happened in our cultural moment is our comforts now own us. They now have us. we, We are in their grip instead of them being in our grip. That's the problem. And so what I want to do is just take a few minutes with you and explore some of the potential issues and pitfalls and problems when you run to the God of comfort and you sacrifice at the feet of the God of comfort and you worship the God of comfort, what happens? If you just play that scenario out in your life, what happens and what are the potential problems? Well, let me just give you four things. Here's the first one. Comfort can numb our pain, but here's the problem. It can't heal us of it. Comfort can numb our pain, but it can't heal us of the pain that we carry. If you could just for a second, and I know this is hard because we're in church and we're supposed to pretend and wear a mask and act like everything's fine in our world. But if you could just for a second realize the pain that you carry deep in your soul, you would realize there's actually more brokenness and more pain in your heart than often you even want to admit. 
that all of us, because we live in a fallen world and because we've done things that are shameful, we've done things that have brought us pain and other people have done things against us that have also deeply wounded us and caused us pain. Uh, maybe, it was, maybe it was suffering outside of our ability to control. Maybe it's some tragedy that you've walked into. I don't know what it is for you, but every person walked in the, these doors, walked into this sanctuary with pain deep in their chest that some of you know and some of you, you don't even want to think about. We all carry pain. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the fracturing of a relationship. Maybe it's a, a marriage that fell apart. Maybe it's physical or sexual abuse. A hurtful thing that someone said that you can't seem to get out of your head. It just kind of rings in your ears, these wounding things that people have said to you. Maybe it's a painful rejection by a friend, or maybe it's being abandoned by someone that you cared about or loved. Maybe it's a dead-end job where you just feel like you're, you're wasting your life, you're spinning your wheels and you can't get out. Maybe it's internal struggles that you don't even know how to talk about out loud. You can't even really bring people into your pain because you don't fully even understand it yourself. But there's pain that all of us carry, and here's what we do. Instead of bringing our pain to the God who can heal us, we actually run to comfort just to numb this pain that we feel. So you have a hard day at work and you come home and you check out over Netflix. I'm going to numb out. I'm going to just try to pretend like everything is okay. Something bad happens and you find yourself running to food and overeating. Something, something tragic happens in your life. And so instead of running and bringing your pain to Jesus, you, you go to alcohol again and again and again. And, and what happens for all of us, we actually take the, this pain that we feel and we just want to not feel it anymore, right? We just want to feel better. We just want to be okay. And so we run to these comfort idols instead of running to the one who offers his healing grace and love the only one that can actually heal the pain that we carry. The problem with comfort is that it can't heal you. It just numbs you out, it just numbs what's going on. And that leads to the second thing that I want you to see. The second problem is that comfort, in addition to not being able to heal us, it creates addictions. Because what happens is as we run to these comfort idols, as we run to these things to numb our pain, um, it, it, it kind of shoots, a, a, our brain fires dopamine into our bodies and it, and it releases this pleasurable experience where we feel better for just a minute. And then what happens over time is we, we know if I wanna feel better, I need to go back to this and do that again. And, and then we do it, but then because dopamine has already been released, we need to do it again to feel a little bit better. And, and then we need to do it again and then more and again and then more. And over time, what happens is as addictions start being formed just because we want to numb out. And so all this pain that you carry around, what happens with us is we run to things like alcohol and it becomes an addiction in our lives, a coping mechanism to not feel anymore because we just don't want to feel the pain. Now, what happens in our culture is we often think of sobriety only in terms of alcoholism, but actually as, a, as an American culture, most of us are not sober because being sober is more than just having an alcohol issue. Being sober is where you're free from running to addictions. And if you kind of define sobriety in that way, what you realize is most of you in the room are actually not sober. Most of you in the room, you run to food to, to be the comfort in your soul. And, and you know it's hurting you. You know it's bad, but you won't stop. You just won't because you don't want to go without that comfort. Or you run to shopping. 
I, I don't know why, this is so weird and I'm confessing this to you. Um, but, but sometimes when I have a really bad day, the, the, the strongest urge that I have is to go to the mall and buy a new shirt. And I don't know why, but that just makes me feel better. I'm gonna buy a new shirt. I can't tell you why there's a connection there, but it's real. So by the way, if you see me like wearing a lot of new shirts, you need to pray for your pastor. I'm in a bad place, okay? Hard life right now. It makes me feel numb. Or maybe it's binge watching TV. I just looked up the definition of what binge watching TV actually is. It's like, am I doing this? Are we doing this? It's anytime you sit down and watch three episodes or more of a show. Anybody ever done that? Just, just raise your hand. This is church. We can take off the mask. All of us have done that, right? Some of you are like, I watched three seasons of a show. I had kidney stones when I got up, right? Like I hadn't gone to the bathroom in hours, days. Maybe it's unhealthy spending, you just get on Amazon. Maybe you don't even spend. You just get on Amazon and, and just the ability of clicking something into your wish list fires a dopamine hit and you feel better about life. Maybe it's sexual brokenness, pain that you feel and you run to porn. Pain that you feel and you run to an unhealthy sexual relationship. Maybe it's laziness. You just check out physical inactivity, I can't feel anymore. I don't want to do anything. Or maybe it's workaholism. You feel pain, so you work a lot because you want to feel comfort and you want to earn a lot of money so that way one day you can have a life of comfort. So it's going to be hard for a little bit, but one day it'll be great. Addictions are created because instead of bringing our pain to Jesus for healing, we run to comfort. And the problem is that comfort starts to own us and it creates addictions. Here's the third reality, the third problem. Comfort makes us fragile and unprepared for suffering. Comfort makes us fragile and unprepared for suffering. If you worship the God of comfort, if that's what you hope in, then any time uh, any sort of tragedy or suffering enters your life, any persecution that might come your way, it completely rocks your foundation because your entire existence is based on the reality that life is gonna go really well for me, everything is gonna go fine, and whenever it doesn't, you don't know what to do. It sends you into a tailspin. See, our, our culture views suffering as a problem to be fixed because we love comfort and happiness. And so suffering doesn't fit into our worldview. It doesn't fit into our reality. You shouldn't suffer. It's really bizarre what happens. In fact, what happens in church all the time is that people will have serious, serious illnesses like cancer or some other serious ailment. And instead of coming to their pastors saying, hey, would you pray for me? Would you, would you help me with this? Walk with me through this. What happens is we will, we will go months and months without finding out. And then finally it'll come out. And it's this really shameful thing. And they say, yeah, I, I've had cancer had cancer. And it's like, well, why didn't you tell us? And, and they don't even know why, but what's happening is, is they viewed it as a problem to be fixed. And, and they don't want to bring other people into that because this is a, this is a culture of comfort and, and I shouldn't be suffering and I shouldn't be hurting. And so I've got to wear a mask and pretend that everything is okay. Even if it's not, it's tragic what happens, but here's the reality. And I just got to be honest with you that Jesus never promised a life of comfort for his followers ever. He never promised a life free of suffering. In fact, Jesus promised the opposite of that. He promised if you follow him, there will be 
tribulation, there will be suffering. This is something that Jesus promised. So I just gotta be honest with you. If you're here and you're not a Christian and you're weighing the claims of Jesus and you're thinking, maybe if I become a Christian, it'll make my life easier. I wanna just tell you straight up, it won't. It'll actually make your life harder. Now, we hope you become a Christian because there's, there's other things, there's other realities that happen, but bringing physical comfort and this kind of blissful happiness into your life in the way that you think probably won't happen. In fact, Jesus says this in John 16, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Second Timothy 2, verse three, the apostle Paul says, share in suffering, share in it as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 3.12, Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you want to live a godly life? Do you desire that? You will be persecuted if that's true. James chapter one, the brother of Jesus, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy when trials come into your life. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, suffering and hardship, those are the times in our life that Jesus is refining us and deepening, deepening us and growing us. The times where you grow the most are never the times that you're the most comfortable. The times that you grow and are discipled the most are the times that you're experiencing persecution and pain and sorrow. That's the place that Jesus meets his people in. Here's another one, last one, 2 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul kind of just listing out his life after uh, meeting Jesus. It's like he, he, rolled, he read Joel Osteen's best life now and was really upset because it didn't happen that way. And here's what he had to say about it. Far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was adrift at sea. By the way, he doesn't include this, but right after he got uh, safely to the, the shore at the island, he, he was getting some firewood and he was bitten by a poisonous snake. All right. Like he didn't include that in the list, but crazy stuff is happening to him. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Now, if that were uh, modern American culture today, Paul, the apostle Paul would have ended it with, and that's why I don't believe in Jesus anymore. That's why I'm not a Christian. That's why I've given up because it's just too hard. But that's our cultural objection, not their cultural objection. Our objection is life should be good and it should be comfortable and it should be filled with happiness. So there's no room for suffering and we become really thin, really fragile people. And then number four, finally, comfort gives us the illusion of heaven on earth, but without God. You see, this is the scariest one for me because I actually think that our culture has gotten really good at trying to design and create a utopia. 
We all instinctively long for the world that God created before sin entered the world. We want the world that Genesis 1 talks about, where all is right in the world. There's this word, this, this word blessed, and, and that, that's the word that God uses to describe that context. And that's the world that we want. We want a blessed world where all things are right and good and beautiful. And so what we do is we get really hard at work building beautiful houses and dog parks and restaurants on every corner bigger and bigger movie theaters, coffee shops, all these fantastic malls. We've created a world where you have virtually every sort of uh, comfort imaginable. It's disposable to you at your fingertips. You can shop, you can click, you can unplug, you can drink, you can eat, you can be merry and enjoy life. And what happens over time is that you enjoy life so much that you forget why you exist, why you're here, and you no longer sense a need for God whatsoever. That's our American culture right now. We have designed a utopia, heaven on earth, where God doesn't exist. And who needs God anyway? I've got Chipotle. Who needs God anyway? I've got a fantastic house. I've got a great car. I can go shopping on Amazon. This thing of comfort where we create the kingdom without the king has this weird effect on us that it starts to over time blind us from the greatest needs and realities in our life. In fact, Amos talks about this. I know that you love Amos. You've been reading the book of Amos this week in preparation for the sermon. So let me just remind you of what you already know. Uh, Amos chapter six, verse one, woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria, the notable men of the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. Do you feel secure today? Do you feel at ease in your life? Woe to you, he says. Why? Well, he goes on. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp and like David invent for themselves instruments of music who drink wine in bowls. That's one way to do it. Wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils but here's the tragedy, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. The ruin of Joseph, what does that mean? He's saying people that are not grieved over the state of their culture, over the state of their own heart, over the state of what's happening around them, where people have disconnected themselves from God. He's saying, woe to you if you're comfortable, if you're at ease, if life is going great for you right now, if you've got all these things at your fingertips that you can swipe and click and buy and access and, and inhale, woe to you because you might just forget the deeper pain and reality and the real need that you have for a rescue you. You got to be careful, is what he says. Uh, I think Josh Curry used a great example of this when he talked about uh, this game that we all play in America called existential whack-a-mole. I don't know if you heard this or if you're there when he talked about this, but it works like this. We have these deep, deep pain issues that arise, these deep questions, kind of these existential realities. Why am I here? What is life all about? Is there more to this world than what I'm experiencing? And that will arise in your heart. And what you do is you just hit it with a latte. You'll hit it with an Amazon purchase. You'll hit it with some fun vacation. And as these painful realities or as these existential realities arise, you just, you just, this is what we're doing as a culture. We're just whacking and whacking and whacking and all our comfort, just trying to numb out. We don't want to feel, we don't want to ask, we don't want to think. Because if we do, we get really scared about what might be under the surface. 
21 Pilots, they're a, they're a band. They have a few good songs, and one of them is called Car Radio. It's about someone breaking in and stealing his car radio from his car, and he's, he's, he's frustrated about that because it's making him drive around in silence. So he, he says these words. I hate this car that I'm driving. There's no hiding for me. I'm forced to deal with what I feel. There's no distraction to mask what is real. I could pull the steering wheel. I have these thoughts so often I ought to replace the slot with what I once bought because somebody stole my car radio and now I just sit in silence. I ponder of something terrifying because this time there's no sound to hide behind. I find over the course of our human existence, one thing consists of consistence and that's that we're all battling fear. Oh dear, I don't know if we know why we're here. Oh my, too deep, please stop thinking I liked it better when my car had sound. It's the world that we live in. Please stop thinking. Please stop feeling. I have pain. I don't want to, I want comfort. I just want to feel better. So where do we go from here? What do we do with this reality? Well, here's the good news. The good news is that this is why Jesus came into the world. This is actually why he entered into the world. In fact, what he says in Matthew 5 is one of the most shocking, one of the most bizarre things that anyone has ever articulated. I've never read something as unbelievable as Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus basically shows up and he says, this is what life in my kingdom looks like. Do you want to be in my kingdom? This is what life in my kingdom looks like. This is known as a section from the Sermon on the Mount which at the time was just Jesus on a mountain preaching a sermon. And now we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And it's one of the most subversive things that's ever been spoken. And if American culture could wrap their hearts and heads around Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it would change the way that we live. But Jesus, he says this word, it's really interesting. We've turned it into this phrase called the Beatitudes. The, the, the phrase Beatitudes comes from Latin and this Latin word just means blessedness. And this idea of blessedness to us, the idea of being blessed just sounds trite and a little bit silly. It's like, oh, you sneezed, bless you. And that's about the extent of the word blessing. Or maybe it's like a Hallmark card. We just have a very kind of shallow view of that word blessing. But here's what the word blessed or blessed means. It's talking about living life and experiencing life the way that God designed things to be. It's like going back to the Garden of Eden, pre-sin, pre-brokenness, pre-dysfunction, and enjoying a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other and a right relationship with our world where everything is as it should be. You're blessed. In fact, even the pagans use this phrase. Uh, the, the Greeks had, had a phrase that, that we translate blessing or blessed, and it just meant to be filled with happiness. So if you were blessed, you were just, everything was going well in your life. Everything was right. Everything was good. If you were a Jewish person, you immediately thought of Genesis chapter one, where the first words spoken from God are a blessing to, Abra, uh, to Adam and Eve, where he says, uh, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So Jesus, he shows up and he says, do you want to live the blessed life? Do you want to experience my blessing? Do you want to experience the wholeness that comfort can't give you, even though it promises to give you? Here's how you do it. Let me just read for the sake of time a few of these. Matthew 5, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? To be poor in spirit means that you look inside of your own life and all you see is spiritual bankruptcy. To be poor in spirit means that you look deep down inside of your soul and instead of being encouraged by what you see, you're discouraged by what you see and you see a need for an external rescue, someone to come out from outside into your life and bring you out of that darkness. To be poor in spirit means that you feel the need to be rescued by another. And Jesus is saying, you are blessed if you are poor and spirit. And this is opposite of what the God of comfort says. The God of comfort says, if you're poor in spirit, fill it with stuff. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Some of you walked in today and the spiritual bankruptcy that you feel in your soul, you feel like that disqualifies you from the kingdom of God. And I just want to tell you, that's actually the only thing that makes you eligible to come on into the kingdom of God. If you feel overwhelmed at your own life, broken, devastated, the kingdom of God is for you. If you don't feel overwhelmed, if you don't feel devastated, if your life is going great and you just don't have a need for a savior, then you are not going to experience this reality of being invited into the kingdom of God because you don't feel like you need it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Here's the other one, Matthew 5 verse four. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. See, the, the, the real, deep, profound comfort that we get from God is not found by avoiding all pain. What God is inviting us into in this moment, Jesus is saying, do you mourn? Do you weep? Are, are, are things in life difficult? Are things in life chaotic? Are things devastating and broken? Do you mourn over anything? If so, then you will be comforted. What he's saying is bring me your pain. Bring me your hurt. Bring me all the stuff inside of you and I will comfort you. That's what he's saying. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. This God who was known when he lived on this earth as a man of sorrows, acquainted with much grief. He opens up his arms to you and he says, are you filled with sorrow? Do you have grief? Come to me and I'll comfort you. Don't run to comfort. Come to the God of all comfort. That's the difference. Here's the other one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. When you reorient your entire life, not around comfort and happiness and pleasure, but when you reorient your entire life around Jesus and his kingdom, blessed are you because all those things that you desire will be found there. You can't go to comfort to get comfort. You've got to go to God to get comfort. You can't go to happiness to get happiness. You've got to go to God to get happiness. He has to be the one that you reorient your entire existence around. You got to hunger and thirst for him and you will be satisfied. That's what Jesus is saying. Matthew 5 verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. You know what makes it really difficult to ever bring peace into a situation or a relationship is when you are addicted to the God of comfort. You'll never go to the tension You'll never drift towards chaos. You'll never uh, move towards the person that you need to engage. You'll never go towards the strife. If you are addicted to comfort, you will instead gossip. You will avoid. You will triangulate where you bring one or two other people in to share your frustrations and your issues and your problems instead of going to the person that you should go to. And all of those are just coping mechanisms to make you feel comfortable. What God is saying is over time, life in his kingdom, you and I learn to put away our aversion to conflict. 
We learn to put away our aversion to uh, tension and strife. And we actually move out of our comfort zones into those hard places and we bring peace. And then finally, last one, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and they persecute you and they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, one of our greatest problems as a culture when it comes to the mission of God is we are so addicted to comfort that we're terrified to actually step out of our comfort zone and talk about Jesus or do anything that reveals that we're a follower of Jesus because we don't want anyone to think that we're crazy people. And so one of the things that we've done as a culture is we've, we've tried to be as cool as possible to the world, right? That's like one of our big goals. Hey, we're normal too. It's like the Jehovah's Witness commercials. Anybody remember the Jehovah Witness commercials? They were amazing actually uh, and really funny. It'd be like, I love to skydive and scuba dive and spearfish and, and I'm a surfer. And then at the very end of the commercial, it'd be like, and I'm a Jehovah's Witness, or I'm a Mormon. I can't remember. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's, I'm a, thank you. I'm a Mormon, right? Uh, thanks for the correction. So, so that's what would happen. And, 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 and all these commercials would be put out. I'm a small business owner and I do that. And I'm a Mormon and I eat barbecue. And I'm, and, and, and the whole point of that was just to show the world, hey, we aren't actually crazy people, right? We're normal too. And that has become the missional strategy of Americans. And it's just not working. Hey, we're normal too. We drink beer like you. We listen to the music that you listen to. We dress like you. We talk like you. We watch the same shows. Hey, we're normal too. We, we want you to like us. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. Not for being a jerk, but for righteousness sake. For being a follower of Jesus, blessed are you when you, you live in such a way and it makes it hard on you and other people think you're crazy and weird and strange. You're blessed because the reproach of Jesus is so much better than the acceptance of the world. This is what Jesus is inviting us into, to experience a life of true blessing, true joy, true happiness. And it's not found in running after all these comforts. It's found in reorienting our life around the God of all comfort. So let me close like this. Very simply, if you have made an idol out of comfort in your life, if you are hearing this and you think in your heart that you've actually pushed God out and started to numb out by creating this comfort idol, I'm just inviting you. I'm calling you to repent of your sin today. If you have addictions that you need prayer for, things that you're running to and you can't seem to get out of. And now instead of you running to them, it's like it's running to you and it's owning you and controlling you. I wanna invite you to just speak up today. Say something today. Don't just keep going about your life. Talk about this with your pastors and with your community and let us in so that we can come alongside of you and bring you to the God of all comfort. And finally, if you're mourning today, if you're weeping today, if you're hurting today, I wanna invite you not to numb out. I wanna invite you to take the pain in your soul, bring it to Jesus. He wants to comfort you wherever you are. So would you stand with me?